Welcome, and this is the Valley View Friends Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Thank you for joining us. We are so glad that you are listening in today. As God's people, we are concerned with reaching and restoring hearts and homes with Jesus. If you want to learn more about our church, look us up on our website at valleyviewfriendschurch.org. Please subscribe to always get the next podcast. I want to begin with us thinking about a few stories of missed opportunities. Here's the first one. In its heyday, Decca was one of the biggest names in the, in the record industry. On the 1st of January, 1962, a group of aspiring musicians from Liverpool auditioned, but Decca wasn't impressed. Guitar bands had had their day, they thought, and this bunch of scruffy misfits weren't going to change that anytime soon. They couldn't even spell the word Beatle right. That group was, of course, the Beatles, and they went on to conquer the world of music, and Decca's loss was good news for a much smaller record label called EMI, who gave the soon-to-be Fab Four a chance, and they sat back and they watched the money roll in. Here's another story. Back in the 1970s, Steve Wozniak was working for Hewlett-Packard. He tried to get the company interested in a new personal computer that he was building, but it rejected the idea and said that people would never use computers in the home. Instead, he and his friend Steve Jobs went off into their garage and built it themselves. The result was the Apple One computer. One last story. In 1876, Alexander Graham Bell had sent had sent speech down a gadget he called the telephone. Now, he wanted to commercialize it, and he offered pat- the patent of it to Western Union for $100,000. That's equivalent to $2.5 million today. He told them that he wanted to install telephones in every city in America, and they said no, and described the device as idiotic. In 2014, the world reached a point where there are more active mobile phone devices than people on the planet. Wow. Strange, idiotic devices devices indeed. Missed opportunities are easy to see after the fact, when it's too late. The trick is to learn to recognize opportunities before they slip by. And today we read a story of a blind man who, despite being blind, could see the opportunity of a lifetime right in front of him. He encountered Jesus the Messiah, and he was unwilling to let the moment pass him by. We, too, should not let holy moments like this slip us by. Too often, we think to ourselves, well, maybe I'll, let, I'll, tr- I'll do that God thing later. I'll, I'll go to church later. I'll get serious about God later. Do not let the opportunity for redemption and blessing pass you by right now. We can learn a lot from the story of Bartimaeus, that's the name of the blind man, and about how he seized the moment and received a blessing from God. Bartimaeus does not miss his moment. He is relentless in his pursuit. He appeals to true authority. He knows his need for mercy, and he he desires restoration and responds with discipleship loyalty. Let's read the text from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. Then they came to Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, 
Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called the blind man, Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want of me? Jesus asked him. And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Our story begins with Jesus and his disciples arriving in Jericho. We need to see a specific picture here. See, Jericho is about 15 miles away from Jerusalem, and Jesus is heading now to the cross. He's 15 miles from it. It looms near. But Jesus, despite the weight of the cross growing and drawing close, still has time to heal a blind man. We also need to understand that Passover is coming. And the Jewish law required that every man 12 years and older within 15 miles of Jerusalem, where they were required to celebrate the Passover in Jerusalem. So the road through Jericho to Jerusalem would have been packed with travelers. Israelites, even from all over the world, traveled to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. Many of them would have traveled this road. Additionally, in this picture, a crowded roadway of people flowing to Jerusalem. Anytime you had a famous teacher or figure or celebrity traveling, you'd have had an even larger crowd clustered around them. Now, despite the law of every man being required to go to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover, not everybody could. They knew that. And so it was also tradition in places like Jericho that were pretty close that people would line the streets and cheer the pilgrims on their way. So we should picture a highly crowded street, a press of people flowing through. But then there's more energy surrounding Jesus as he gets near the blind man. People are trying to get close to Jesus. They want to hear what he's saying because it was tradition for the rabbis to teach while they walked. Now, Bartimaeus is a blind man in Jericho. We don't know how long he'd been blind. We don't know if he really truly lives in Jericho, though he's there now. Maybe he's been there a while, maybe not. Nor do we know his standing among the people of the town, though he is treated as a nuisance in this story. At first, when he's crying out, they try to quiet him down. Bartimaeus is likely begging on the main road because it was a high-traffic thoroughfare. And as a blind man, he was dependent upon the generosity of others for his well-being. And the road from Jericho to Jerusalem, it was dangerous, but it was very important. to Any travelers who wanted to avoid the land of Samaria, because Jewish people would not walk through the land of the Samaritans, they would have to reroute through Jericho. And at this time of year, it would have been full of excited, joyful travelers who would likely be more generous than not to a beggar. And so this is the scene we encounter. The Jericho Road on the way to Jerusalem, the way towards the triumphal entry, because I know it's Palm Sunday, and a beggar trying to take care of himself, and Jesus traveling down that crowded road, and he's willing to take a moment for Bartimaeus. 
Bartimaeus, his moment is at hand, and he refuses to let it pass him by. And I encourage you today to not let another moment pass you by before you encounter the living God, before you encounter the redemption that Jesus offers, the new life that you can have in him, the promise of heaven secured by him for you. Now, there's a couple of qualities that Bartimaeus displays, and I want to highlight them here for you because I think we can learn from Bartimaeus about how to not let the moment pass us by. And the first one is this. Bartimaeus is relentless in his pursuit of Jesus. He knew that this was his moment to encounter the Messiah and to receive restoration. Now, some might say that Bartimaeus was desperate. He needed help, and here was his best chance. What is the difference between desperation and relentlessness? Well, sometimes there's very little difference between those two. Desperation can be a very strong motive. You can work in powerful ways when you're desperate. But sometimes desperation leads to the abandonment of ethics. Relentlessness doesn't have to be that way. It's realizing the seriousness of the moment and acting with determination to get the needed result. Stephen Covey uh, talks about opportunities. He says this, the root of opportunity is port. It's right there in the middle of the word, opportunity, opportunity. And it means the entryway by water into a city or a place of business. In early days when the tide and winds were right and the port opened, it allowed entry to commerce to visit or to invade and conquer. But only those who recognized the opening could take advantage of the open port or the opportunity. Don't miss that moment. Seize the opportunity when the moment is open to you. Peter Marshall says this, and Peter Marshall, well, he was a pastor, And he was a chaplain of the U.S. Senate. He served for two years there, from 1947 to 1949. He says, May we think of freedom not as the right to do as we please, but as the opportunity to do what is right. And Bartimaeus knew the opportunity before him, and he pursued it relentlessly. There's a progression in his actions that we can see pretty readily. It starts with him begging to take care of himself. He depended upon the people around him for his very sustenance. So he starts with begging, and then when he hears that Jesus is near, he shouts for Jesus. So he moves from begging to shouting. He knows who the Messiah is. He knows that Jesus is the Messiah. And then when the crowd tries to silence him, instead of Bartimaeus just kind of giving up, we're told he shouts all the more. So he goes from begging on the roadside for his needs to shouting for Jesus, the opportunity, the one that can change his life, to shouting all the more when people seem like they're going to get in the way. As one writer puts it, Bartimaeus calls on the name of Jesus till he hears Jesus call his own name. That is how relentless he is. He's not going to let this moment pass him by. And when it comes to spiritual breakthrough, too many of us call it quits too early. We pray a half-hearted prayer, and when our doubts are come true, we give up. I didn't think that was going to happen anyway, and we stop. But we need to be like Bartimaeus, who is willing to make a scene to get God's attention. He was willing to shout repeatedly, louder and louder and louder. 
He was willing to act when the crowd around him thought he was a nuisance. They were supposed to help him, but they themselves were disregarding they themselves were disregarding the heart of God. They were supposed to be his helpers and bring him to Jesus, but they didn't do that. Leviticus tells us it says there in Leviticus nineteen fourteen, do not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block in front of the blind, but fear your God, I am the Lord. So Bartimaeus, he has a good reason to want to give up. He says the people around me, they're supposed to help and they're telling me I'm a nuisance. Instead he's relentless. And you, you need to be relentless in your pursuit of God. Pray often. Tell him what weighs on your heart and don't stop. Dig into the word of God. Worship with conviction. Chase after God. Every time you feel like you are stuck, turn up the intensity. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says this, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Refuse to miss your moment. Pursue the Lord relentlessly. Another quality that Bartimaeus shows is that he appeals to true authority. Bartimaeus cries out to Jesus. Now, everybody else sees Jesus as a teacher or a miracle worker, perhaps something a bit more. They're uncertain. They're still trying to work it out. The disciples have been struggling to understand who Jesus is all the way through the Gospel of Mark. They're starting to get it, but they don't truly understand Bartimaeus, though blind, sees King Jesus, the Messiah. He calls out to Jesus, Son of David. And that title right there, Son of David, is very important. It's a messianic title. Though it's used in other gospels, right here in Bartimaeus' story, from Bartimaeus' mouth, in the gospel of Mark, this is the only place the phrase Son of David is used. Bartimaeus, the blind, sees what even the disciples are struggling to see. Jesus, the son of David, the giver of mercy, the one who restores sight. Now, this message is getting posted for Palm Sunday. And when we think about Jesus's triumphal entry, which is the next story after Bartimaeus, he gets, I'm suspecting he gets to be a part of the triumphal entry that we don't get to hear his name. But part of the triumphal entry when Jesus is going into Jerusalem, in that moment, people had all kinds of opinions of Jesus. The crowd saw him as a liberator. The leaders of Israel saw Jesus as a problem. The Romans had their opinions. And the disciples, they saw their champion, the one who was going to prove that they were right to follow him. I'm not sure that Bartimaeus knew the mission of Jesus on the cross. But he knew that his own salvation must come from the authority of Jesus, son of David. Dolores McGuire says this, Authority is no stronger than the man who wields it. So many of us put our hope in our own authority, in the authority of our parents, of our doctors, our officials, of the technology in our lives. And these all have an authority of their own. But none have the authority to restore us or to save us like Jesus does. We can miss the moment if we trust the wrong authority. Bartimaeus, he calls upon the authority of Jesus, son of David, the Messiah. Will you call upon his authority? Will you trust in the authority of Jesus? Third quality about Bartimaeus. 
He knows his need for mercy. As Bartimaeus cries out to Jesus, what does he ask for? I want you to think about that for a moment. What does Bartimaeus ask for? Is he saying, Jesus, son of David, give me sight? No, he actually doesn't say that. His words are a little different. When he first cries out to Jesus, he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Bartimaeus knows his need. His symptom is blindness. His condition is brokenness and sin. He knows he has more than an eyesight problem. And so he cries out that his need is for mercy. And we need to be like Bartimaeus and see past the symptoms in our lives and get to the heart of a problem. We need mercy and Jesus will give it. I think there's someone listening today who's got a lot of symptoms, things that are hurting in their lives, they're struggling with, but you've let the symptom become everything. Know that the love of Jesus, the restoring power of Jesus goes much deeper than our symptoms. He has mercy and forgiveness for you to set you free from the bondage of sin and this broken world into the salvation of eternal life into heaven. Jesus gives mercy. In fact, this story of Bartimaeus is actually Isaiah 42, verse 16, come true, where it says, I will lead the blind man by the ways they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness into light before them and make the rough places smooth. These are the things I will do. I will not forsake them. Give them mercy is what he does. A fourth quality, the Bartimaeus. He desires restoration. This man is relentless in calling out to Jesus. He is unashamed even when the crowd tries to embarrass him. He calls out to Jesus as his authority as Messiah. He asks for mercy, and then the moment begins to turn his way. Jesus tells the crowd to call for Bartimaeus. Bring him to me. Bring him to Jesus. This is the moment that Bartimaeus has been waiting for. Everything's going to be made right again. And Jesus asks Bartimaeus a question. This is an important question. Jesus asks, what do you want me to do for you? Now, you might read that question and go, it's obvious. He wants to see. And that's true. Bartimaeus wants to see, but I believe he's asking for something much deeper. I mean, you'd think Jesus would know. Here's a blind guy. He's going to want to see, right? Why ask? What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asks this question. Because so many that he's encountered have wanted the wrong thing. If you go through the gospel of Mark, you'll find all kinds of people who want something from Jesus. Sometimes they ask for it. Sometimes they hide it secretly. The Pharisees secretly want to trap and outsmart Jesus. That's what they want from him. Do away with him. They want him dead. Mark ten seventeen tells us of a rich young ruler who wants eternal life. That's what he wants from Jesus. He asks Jesus for it, but he wants eternal life, it would seem, at at least the minimum cost. As Jesus started on his way, it's there in Mark 7, 10, 17, I'll read the text to you. It says, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to, 
to him and fell on his knees before him and said, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He wants eternal life, and he wants to know what's the minimum cost. What's the cost? But there are other characters who are who ask people, what would you want of me? What do you want me to do for you? And we get kind of uncomfortable answers. In Mark chapter 6, verse 22, you have Herod, King Herod, and he gives uh, the daughter of Herodias whatever she wants. He's, he's pleased with her and he says, I'll give you anything up to half of my kingdom. What do you want? She asks, well, the wrong thing. John the Baptist's head. In Mark 15, Later in the story of the gospel, you have Pilate giving the crowd of Jerusalem what they want. They want Barabbas to be set free, and they want Jesus to be crucified. And even more important, the story that happens just before the account of Bartimaeus. There are two disciples that make a request of Jesus, James and John. I'm going to read a little bit of that story, and you'll hear exactly the same question. Jesus asks Bartimaeus, he asks of these two disciples. It's there in Mark chapter 10, verses 35 through 37. It says, Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him, said, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And Jesus responds, What do you want me to do for you? And they replied, let us, let one of us sit in your right hand and the other at your left in your glory. They don't ask for mercy. They don't ask for redemption. They don't ask to see. They ask for power and glory. And Jesus asks exactly the same question of Bartimaeus. Story just previous, Jesus asked his questions of his disciples. They want power. And now he asks Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you. Bartimaeus wants to see. Yes, this is physical eyesight, but he also desires spiritual sight. He's asking for mercy. He knows that his eyesight is tied to sin, to a spiritual thing. He wants to have his eyes opened up, not just to the world, but to God. He's not asking for power. He's not asking for revenge. He's not even asking for what's due to him. He needs mercy. He desires to see. Bartimaeus' desire is in the right place. What is it that you desire in life? What is it that you are asking of God? Have you ever wondered if you're asking of God the right things? Because we can ask God for the wrong things, for unhealthy things, for things that will tear us down in our life with Him. There is much that we all desire. But let it be said that above all else, we desired restoration to God. A final quality of Bartimaeus, I think we can learn from, is that he responds to Jesus with discipleship loyalty. I want to put those two words together, discipleship loyalty. All right, I think it's important to have those two words together. William Barclay writes about Bartimaeus, and he says this. I think it's quite profound. He says, He began with need, and he went on to gratitude, and he finished with loyalty. And that's the perfect summary of the stages of discipleship. Need, gratitude, loyalty. In the end, 
Bartimaeus shows discipleship loyalty in several ways. First, when Jesus calls him, he leaves his cloak. He leaves it behind. He doesn't gather up his cloak and take it with him. The text tells us that actually he throws the cloak aside and he will not let it get in the way of reaching Jesus. I'm reminded of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, where it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. We cannot follow Jesus while hanging on to our sin, and we cannot follow Jesus while entangled in other priorities. Bartimaeus leaves his cloak. And as far as we're told in the text, he doesn't go back to it. He might have been poor, but that was his probably his most valuable possession, and he's willing to leave it behind. The cloak would have been his bed, his shelter. It ensured his survival. It's there in Exodus 22, verses 26 through 27. We read, If you take your neighbor's cloak as a pledge, return it by sunset, because that cloak is the only covering your neighbor has. What else can they sleep in? When they cry out to me, I will hear, for I am compassionate. So, it's his shelter at night. And during the day, those cloaks were often used spread out in front of a beggar to receive alms, to receive money. It was a catch basin for all the gifts from the pilgrims passing by. He leaves it behind. Presumably, he leaves everything that's landed in it that the pilgrims have thrown in as they've gone on to Jerusalem. Would you leave that which is most important to you behind to follow Jesus? What are the things that are entangling you? What are the things that you cling to? I guarantee you, You're going to have to face them, deal with them, and learn to let them go to follow Jesus. The text ends with Bartimaeus not going back to his cloak, but it tells us that he follows Jesus along the Damascus Road, or the Jericho Road. He gets no formal invitation to be a disciple. Jesus doesn't say, follow me, but Bartimaeus decides to follow Jesus anyway. This is his moment. And he's not going to let it pass him by. He is all in. I think it's worth noting that in the Gospel of Mark, the other Gospels tell about other things happening, but in the Gospel of Mark, restoring Bartimaeus' sight is the last miracle that Jesus performs. There have been a full range of responses by people that Jesus has healed in the Gospel of Mark. Some have ignored his commands to be quiet, and they blurted out everything that Jesus has done, and it's made an overwhelming crowd that pursued Jesus. Some, they just go home. We never hear from them again. We read a few weeks ago about a demon-possessed man that, after being restored, he wanted to follow Jesus, but Jesus sent him back to his home to tell people what God had done for him. Here at the last miracle, we see discipleship ring out. Bartimaeus follows Jesus. He relentlessly pursues Jesus. He appeals to the true authority of Jesus. He knows his need for the mercy of Jesus. He desires restoration by Jesus. And he responds to Jesus with discipleship loyalty. The old adage has a ring of truth to it. He who hesitates is lost. 
And Bartimaeus refuses to hesitate to let Jesus pass him by. Imagine for a moment, if you will, if Bartimaeus had thought to himself, maybe I will wait for Jesus to pass this way again when it's less crowded and less hectic, when there isn't so many people and people aren't going to make fun of me. Imagine if he had done that. He'd have missed his moment because Jesus was going to the cross. He was not going to pass through Jericho again. Bartimaeus would have missed his moment with God. And many of you listening today, God wants to do a mighty work in you, but you're hesitating. Do not wait a moment longer to confess your sin and need for the mercy of God. He'll save you. And do not wait a moment longer to allow God to do a new work in you, to renew you. And do not hesitate to let God lead you in serving his kingdom. You now have a moment to encounter the living God. Do not miss it. Let's pray. Father God, help us to not let another holy moment pass us by. Fuel in us a relentless pursuit of you. Help us to desire no selfish ambitions, but the restoration of our souls. Help us to see past the symptoms in our lives to our need for your mercy. And help us to live like Bartimaeus, following after you, leaving everything that would entangle us behind. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Go with Jesus.